Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Good Wednesday morning, President Biden, center stage at the U.N. His message to world leaders. It is September 20th. This is today. High stakes. The president using his platform at the United Nations to rally support for Ukraine. Russia alone bears responsibility for this war. Russia alone has the power to end this war immediately. While his administration faces new questions this morning over the deal with Iran to free those five Americans. We've been apart for eight years and finally we're together and it's uh, just completely unbelievable. This morning we go one-on-one on it all with Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Disturbing case, two suspects now facing federal charges after the death of a one-year-old exposed to fentanyl at a daycare center in New York. A kilo of the drug discovered on top of play mats. They were running a drug operation from a daycare center. A daycare center. We will have the very latest as police search for another suspect. Labor pains, the strike by auto workers entering day six. While in Hollywood, new hope, the end of that walkout by writers could be in sight. Negotiations set to resume today. Where things stand just ahead. Fighter jet fallout, new details on the final moments of that F-35 that crashed in South Carolina after possibly flying on autopilot for more than 30 minutes. It was kind of probably 100 feet above the treetops. Inside the investigation to uncover how the military lost track of a $100 million jet. All that plus spelling it out. Vanna White, a beloved staple on Wheel of Fortune for 41 years, is set to return when Ryan Seacrest takes the reins. And Ryan was with us when he learned the big news. But now that it's official, I can say congratulations, Vanna. I can't wait. His reaction and plans for the iconic game show. And Style File, Taylor Swift sparks a new frenzy overnight, sending fans on a search for clues about her upcoming album and jamming Google in the process. What they were hoping to find today, Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuffey, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi there. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today. Nice to have you along with us on a Wednesday Mm -hmm. morning. And we began this morning with the president's address at the United Nations. His main focus, the war in Ukraine, stressing to world leaders the negative consequences of a Russian victory. Yeah, the speech came just hours after five Americans held for years in Iran returned to the U.S. as part of a controversial prisoner exchange. The president addressing possible threats from that country, saying the U.S. will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. In just a moment, we'll be talking to Secretary of State Antony Blinken right here in our studio. But first, NBC's chief foreign affairs correspondent, Andrea Mitchell, with the very latest. Andrea, good morning. Good morning. President Biden delivering a rousing defense of democracy called climate change an existential threat and said artificial intelligence holds both enormous potential and enormous peril. But the president's main focus was on Ukraine, 
urging the world to stand by Ukraine or else risk further aggression from Russia. We have to stand up to this naked aggression today and deter other would-be aggressors tomorrow. In an impassioned speech, President Biden urged world leaders to stay united behind Ukraine, warning of dire consequences if Russia's aggression goes unchecked. If we abandon the core principles of the United States to appease an aggressor, can any member state in this body feel confident that they are protected? With growing calls in the U.S. and abroad to withhold additional aid to Ukraine, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky appearing in person this year to warn other leaders Russia could target them next. The goal of the present war against Ukraine is to turn our land, our people, our lives, our resources into a weapon against you, against the international rules-based order. Today at the U.N. Security Council, Zelensky will present his peace plan, calling for a full Russian withdrawal and payment of reparations to rebuild his devastated country. Tomorrow, Zelensky will travel to Washington to meet with President Biden at the White House and plead with Congress to continue its military support. But Republicans are deeply divided over the Biden administration's request for an additional $24 billion for Ukraine. Where's the accountability and the money we already spent? What is the plan for victory? But the consequences of pulling the plug on Ukraine are enormous. It will lead to more war, not less. It comes as the U.S. unveils a new round of sanctions on Iran, targeting the production of Iranian drones used by Russia against Ukraine. One day after the U.S. sanctioned Iran's former president and other Iranian officials for imprisoning Americans, including the five detainees freed Tuesday, who returned to an emotional homecoming after years of captivity. We've been apart for eight years and finally we're together and it's uh, just completely unbelievable. As part of that deal, the U.S. agreed to unfreeze $6 billion in Iranian money that the White House says can only be used for humanitarian purposes. Republicans are blasting the deal, arguing it will only lead to more Americans being wrongfully detained. Savannah? All right, Andrea, thank you. And joining us now in Studio 1A, Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Secretary Blinken, good morning to you. Good morning. Good to have you here. Let's talk about the news this week. The uh, Prisoner swap, five Americans brought home. You cannot look at these pictures of Americans being returned to U.S. soil and not be elated for them, emotional. But the thornier issue, of course, is at what cost? Mm. When you free up $6 billion uh, in order to get Americans back, does that not endanger Americans elsewhere, put a higher price on their heads? Well, for Savannah, it was incredibly powerful and emotional to uh, get these Americans back. I was on the phone with him uh, after they touched uh, touched down in Doha, their first port of call before coming back to be reunited with their families, one after more than eight years in an Iranian prison. And for me, my number one responsibility around the world is to help Americans who are in trouble uh, and particularly those who are being unjustly held uh, in jails anywhere. I want to bring them home. Uh, now, in this particular case, um, what's so important to understand is that the money's uh, that were freed up were Iranian funds that they had uh, gotten from the sale of oil that were stuck in a bank and that from day one have been exempt from our sanctions. In other words, the Iranians have always had the right to use those funds for humanitarian purposes. We moved them from one bank account to another in another country with very clear controls on them to make sure that they could only be used for humanitarian purposes. Not a single taxpayer dollars involved, 
not, nothing is going into Iran itself. This is all for humanitarian purposes. So I think in order to get Americans home, uh, that was a, a pretty good deal. Well, fair enough. But as you well know, money is fungible. Mm-hmm. So the notion is that $6 billion Iran doesn't have to spend on whatever the Iranian people need is $6 billion they can spend elsewhere and be up to no good. How do you respond to that? They're suddenly flush with $6 billion of cash that they otherwise wouldn't have. Two things. First, again, from, from day one, our sanctions, um, the penalties that we try to impose on countries that are engaged in activities like Iran is, that we profoundly object to, have always, always exempted um, humanitarian uh, needs. And we don't want to be in the business of denying the Iranian people what they need. The government, the regime is something totally different. Second, for better or worse, and unfortunately for worse, the Iranians have always found a way to spend money uh, for the nefarious uh, actions that they're engaged in. Uh, they've done it uh, before sanctions, during sanctions, after sanctions. That's going to continue. But what we're continuing to do is two things. First, making sure that everywhere Iran is acting in a way that uh, is um, uh, dangerous, destabilizing, uh, supporting terrorists. We're taking action, taking action with sanctions, uh, taking action with travel restrictions, taking actions with other countries to come down on them. Second, here in New York at the United Nations, we're coming together with other countries to try to establish a much stronger norm and understanding in international law that countries that engage in these practices. The big ticket item at the U.N. this week, of course, is Ukraine. President Zelensky addressed the U.N. General Assembly. He's coming to Washington, uh, hat in hand, looking to secure more funding. He's going to face skeptics. Let me play something that Speaker Kevin McCarthy said Mm -hmm. yesterday. Take a look. Is Zelensky elected to Congress? Is he our president? I don't think I have to commit anything. I have questions for him. Where's the accountability on the money we already spent? What is the plan for victory? How hard of a sell is this for President Zelensky? Savannah, what we've seen to date is very strong bipartisan support for Ukraine. And there's a good reason for that. It's, it's the right thing to do. We see the horrific abuses being committed by uh, the Russians against Ukrainians going back more than a year and a half. And I think that's something that uh, Americans respond to. But it's not only the right thing to do, it's the necessary thing to do in our interests. Because if we allow these kind of aggressions to go forward with impunity, if we allow Putin to get away with this, then it is open season for any would-be aggressor to do the same thing. Putin wouldn't stop there himself. And then others in other parts of the world are looking to see, can he get away with this? And if he can, maybe so can I. And that's a recipe for a world of conflict. That's a recipe for a world that inevitably creates bad things that are going to hurt Americans, not just the countries in question. I mean, I understand the argument. And if mm. you don't stop Putin here, you'll, mm. you'll be at war with him somewhere else. Mm. That's the argument. And, and not just him, potentially. Again, other would-be aggressors in other parts of the world having nothing to do with Putin. They're watching this very carefully. But the larger question is, I mean, already the U.S. has committed $113 billion in 18 months to help Ukraine. How sustainable is this level of support when there's really no end in sight to the war? No hint that there's any talk of diplomacy among the two parties. And there doesn't seem to be a strategy for victory. So this could just go on and on and on. And how much are you concerned that about war fatigue, that people will not want to continue to be able to give this much support to Ukraine? Well, first, just over the last year, Ukrainians have taken back more than 50 percent of the territory that Putin seized from them going back to February of 2022. But to the point of, of sustainability, what we're working on, what dozens of other countries are working on, is uh, a plan to be able to support Ukraine for the long term, but in a sustainable way. 
uh, on the margins of the NATO summit a couple of months ago, we had countries come together to say, we're going to look at how we can help the Ukrainians build their own military and build it so it's a force for the future that can deter aggression, that can defend against aggression coming down the road. In your mind, does this seem a war that will just go on for years? I mean, is that the expectation? Well, first, it's important to note this. Putin's already failed in what he was trying to achieve, because remember, Savannah, his goal was to erase Ukraine from the map, to end its status as an independent country, to subsume it into Russia. That has failed. Now, exactly where the lines are drawn, that's going to be up to the Ukrainians. But there's a big difference here. Ukrainians are fighting for their own country, for their own land, for their own future. The Russians are not. At the end of the day, I think that is the biggest difference maker. And I've got to ask you about uh, the images we saw Kim Jong-un traveling to Russia, walking with Putin. What are these two up to? And can can the U.S. do anything to stop, for example, Kim Jong-un supplying weapons or arms support to Russia? It speaks, first and foremost, to a certain amount of desperation on the part of Russia that it has to go to regimes like the one in North Korea or Iran, for that matter to try desperately to get the uh, the weapons, the technology that sanctions, export controls that we and many other countries have imposed. Are but if he's Russia. got willing partners there with the Iran, North Korea, and those alliances are deepening, isn't that a pretty and big we are, concern? We are uh, looking and taking action to try to disrupt that, to break that up uh, wherever we can. But uh, Russia is in a world of hurt as a result of the actions that Vladimir Putin has taken. Militarily, economically, diplomatically, um, it's uh, in a much worse position than it was before it engaged in this horrific war against Ukraine. And again, uh, when the countries that it's confined to dealing with, I mean, Vladimir Putin's not here in New York. He wasn't at the G27 recently. Um, he uh, is, in effect, persona non grata in many parts of the world. And so the, the only thing they have left is to go to regimes like the ones in North Korea and Iran to try to get what they need. Secretary Blinken, on a busy week, it's nice to have you here in Thanks, the studio. Savannah. Thank you. Good to be with you. All right. Thank you, Savannah. Let's turn now to a disturbing story that is playing out right here in New York. Two people charged with keeping fentanyl at a daycare center, resulting in the death of a one-year-old and making other children sick. NBC's Laura Jarrett is here with the very latest on this case. Hey, Laura, good morning. Hoda, good morning. For any parents out there, this one is really going to hit home. Fentanyl and daycare are just not two things you think should be in the same sentence, especially at a place that had just passed a surprise inspection. But that is the reality for four families facing the unthinkable. This morning, prosecutors bringing federal charges against two suspects after fentanyl at a daycare killed a one-year-old boy. Authorities now on the hunt for another person they say was involved, the husband of the daycare operator. According to court papers, three young babies from that same daycare hospitalized from exposure to the drug. The youngest, just eight months old. They were running a drug operation from a daycare center. A daycare center. The owner, Gray Mendez and Carlisto Acevedo Bredo, accused of storing large amounts of fentanyl at the daycare. Investigators finding a kilo of the drug on top of the baby's playmats stored in a closet. I'm a lawyer, right? But I'm a father. And common sense dictates that when you drop off your baby, you expect the baby to be kept safe. The father of that one-year-old, Nicholas Dominici, telling WNBC that Nicholas felt happy going to daycare. A lawyer for the daycare operator tells NBC News her client had no idea drugs were in the building. But after finding the baby's unconscious, prosecutors say Mendez tried to cover her tracks, calling her husband before 911. And all of that happened while the children 
the babies were suffering and in desperate need of help. Later, allegedly deleting thousands of text messages, according to court documents. Prosecutors say they have surveillance footage of her husband entering the daycare empty-handed before police arrived, then leaving two minutes later with two full shopping bags dashing out the back alley. Investigators still searching for him. As for the babies, the three that survived, all now home from the hospital. As for those suspects, if convicted on these new federal charges, they could both face up to life in prison, guys. Hard to get your head around that one, Laura. All right, thank you. All right, 15 minutes after the hour, welcoming Craig. Good morning. Hey, Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. The United Auto Workers strike against Detroit's big three car companies now entering day six, and the ripple effects are already spreading. And unless there's significant progress toward a deal, the union has threatened to expand its walkout. NBC's Maggie Vespa is at the picket lines at the Ford plant in Wayne, Michigan. Maggie, good morning to you. We understand you've been talking to suppliers who are talking about layoffs now because of the strike. What are they telling you? Yeah, so Craig, basically they tell us they're not wasting any time. They expect this strike to go on. They expect it to grow. You can see the picketers back out uh, again this morning. And they also don't see the big three, again, GM, Ford, and Chrysler owners Stellantis giving any major ground anytime soon. And remember, again, as you said, this is a targeted strike right now at just three plants, including this one, this Ford one here in the Detroit area. But come noon on Friday, UAW saying more workers will walk out of more sites. We don't know how many more workers or which sites those will be. But for the suppliers who make parts for these plants, they say they already have to start thinking about layoffs. U.S. Steel on its website saying they are idling a blast furnace at a St. Louis area plant. What does that mean? Well, the local steel workers union telling our affiliate KSDK up to 350 workers they believe could be laid off as a result, at least temporarily. I also talked to the CEO of a Michigan-based parts supplier who said as early as next week, he's going to start asking up to 100 of his employees to volunteer to temporarily step away from their jobs and basically stop getting a paycheck. Remember, the UAW and the big three add odds over major things still like pay and the length of work weeks. And of course, looming large over all of this, the possibility of price hikes that could eventually impact consumers. Craig. All right. Maggie Vespa for us there in uh, Michigan at the Ford plant. Maggie, thank you. All right. Let's check uh, the weather. Mm -hmm. Dylan's in for Al this morning. First check of the forecast. Good morning. Good morning, guys. As we wind down official summer here, we're actually going to hang on to some summer-like temperatures. We've got this huge ridge in the jet stream. It's allowing those above-average high temperatures to jump up into places like North and South Dakota, up across Minnesota. Minneapolis will hit a high of 84 degrees today. That's 15 degrees above average. Chicago looks beautiful at 80 degrees. The warm air sticking around through tomorrow. Minneapolis 81, Milwaukee 77, Detroit 79, Indianapolis 81. These are really above average temperatures for this time of year. In fact, in Chicago, it's going to stay in the upper 70s and lower 80s through the weekend. Philadelphia, though, with the chance of rain moving in for Saturday and Sunday, we are looking for those temperatures to drop off a bit in Philly Saturday, a high of only 67. But that is more typical for this time of year. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dilly Dilly, thank you. Coming up as the Pentagon investigates, we are learning more this morning about that fighter jet that disappeared and later crashed in South Carolina. Sam Brock's been talking to people who saw it all unfold. Hi, Sam. Hi, Savannah. Good morning. Here in Indian Town, about 80 miles away from where the pilot ejected, a couple saw the jet dropping and flying virtually inverted. Savannah, how their phone call might have helped authorities to pinpoint the debris field behind me. That story coming up next. All right, Sam. Uh, also ahead, new hope in Hollywood this morning after a strike that's dragged on for 
more months. Uh, a high-stakes meeting is set to get together and bring the two sides to the table. So are your favorite shows and movies getting closer to returning? Where things stand. But first, this is Today on NBC. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh my gosh, look at this, 7.30, what a sight, a spectacular sight in the skies over the United States and Canada. That is a dazzling display. Look closely, see that green? Yeah. That's the Aurora Borealis, better known as the Northern Lights. These images were captured in Minnesota, but the sky uh, show could be seen everywhere from Washington State to Wisconsin, as far as south as Missouri. I've never seen the Northern Lights. Northern, yeah. I, have not. Be, I would love to Me see too. it. Me too. Be immersed in that. Wonder, does it really look like yes. this? Yes. And <laughs> I bet you a filter? person yes. is probably amazing. Yeah. No filter there, by yeah. the way. That's mm-hmm. exactly how it looked. Lots to get to at this half hour, starting with some new questions surrounding the disappearance and crash of that F-35 fighter jet in South Carolina over the weekend. Yeah, the Pentagon is promising transparency as a full investigation gets underway now. NBC's Sam Brock joins us with the latest on it. Hi, Sam. Good morning. Yeah, Savannah, Hoda, Craig, good morning. This military investigation is expected to last months as we still have no explanation as of yet as to why the transponder tracking this very expensive jet failed to work. Now, eyewitnesses did describe here seeing that jet coming in slowly and virtually inverted before appearing to strike the canopy of trees in the debris field behind me. This morning, we're learning new details about how a missing fighter jet came hurtling back to land, shaving off treetops before crash landing in a remote area. But still no explanation as to how the military managed to lose track of the $100 million aircraft or why its pilot ejected. That will be something that they will investigate. Uh, Believe me, after every aviation mishap, the Pentagon does what the Pentagon does. They'll investigate it to try to get the answers on what happened. When those answers come, is it clear? Do you feel lucky today? That oh, yeah. I feel lucky that it didn't feel. As a wider view of the wayward path shows the pilot ejecting in North Charleston, but the jet ending up 80 miles away here in Williamsburg County. Usually airplanes, other military aircraft in which the pilot ejected, it 
the airplane will fly for a while, maybe 30 seconds to a minute, but several minutes, that is surprising. The Marine Corps says the pilot ejected around 1.30 Sunday and residents reported their home shaking after two, meaning it could have been flying on autopilot for more than a half hour. It was kind of probably 100 feet above the treetops. Eyewitnesses Adrian and Stephen Truluck live a few miles from the crash site and were celebrating their son's seventh birthday when they saw the jet dropping. Almost going inverted. Mm -hmm. the, the jet itself was inverted. It, that it was probably three quarters of the way. We could see the canopy. Demos of the F-35B aircraft posted by Lockheed Martin show its ability to hover and land in a vertical column. As for the Trulux, they say they saw the plane intact and didn't think much about a boom they heard later until they saw reports of a missing fighter jet the next day. Did you call the Marine Corps? What, what calls did you make? I, I did. I called, uh, but it wasn't, it probably wasn't until four o'clock ish and i think they'd already zeroed in about where it was you know at that point hours later the debris field was confirmed and nearly all of the neighbors who i spoke with told me they didn't find out about the missing jet until monday we also reached out to lockheed martin who told us quote they are aware of the mishap and supporting the government's investigation they also added they are thankful the pilot was able to eject safely as we all are and it turns out, Savannah, that pilot was actually discharged from the hospital several days ago. No doubt he is having conversations with investigators right now. But in terms of other potential complications here, that F-35B variant is one of only three that has an auto-eject capability, which is to say the pilot may not have had to press anything to be ejected. That could be part of this general investigation, as there are still so many questions left unanswered. Savannah, back to you. That's fascinating. All right, Sam, keep us posted on it. Thank you. All right, just ahead, we've got royalty in Studio 1A. It's been a very busy week in New York for Her Majesty, Her Majesty Queen Rania of Jordan, visiting with the First Lady and Prince William. We'll get a chance to talk to her about all of it when she joins us here live. First, though, it is an important day in Hollywood for the industry and fans who are longing for the return of their favorite shows and movies. NBC's Chloe Malas is following that story for us. Hey, Chloe. Good morning, Craig. Could this mean that there is an end in sight for the Hollywood strikes? That's coming up next. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the Internet, which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high-coverage foundation more popular than soft launching your boyfriend more popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post Tubi, it's more popular than influencers see you in there this is a big year the ohio lottery's golden anniversary 50 years of excitement of growing jackpots and crossed fingers 50 years of funding for schools of changed lives and brightened days 50 years of fun and that is worth celebrating so watch for can't miss promotions huge events and new games that will make the ohio lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet learn more at funturns50.com We're back 738 in depth today. We're focusing on the strikes that have shut down Hollywood. Actors and writers have been on the picket lines for months now, impacting the entire industry and also costing billions of dollars. But 
today. Talks are set to resume between writers and the studios and streaming services. Yeah, NBC's entertainment correspondent Chloe Malas is here with more. Hey, Chloe, good morning. Good morning. I'm hoping that yeah. this is a light at the end of the tunnel. It has been 141 days. It's a big one, guys. The AMPTP and the WGA are going to be sitting down for the first formal negotiations in a month and the stakes are high. Not only could these talks shape the future of the business of Hollywood, more importantly, they will affect the livelihoods of the hundreds of thousands of people who work in and around the entertainment industry. Today, a pivotal moment in the months-long strike in Hollywood. What do we want? The WGA representing more than 11,000 writers and the AMPTP representing streaming services in studios, including Comcast, the parent company of NBC Universal, sitting down for a face-to-face meeting. I mean, anytime you're actually sitting at the table, something can happen. If you're not talking, nothing can happen. The main sticking points between the two groups remain wage increases, residuals in the streaming era, and the use of artificial intelligence. Negotiations are resuming amid the strike that has shut down the entertainment industry for more than four months. Writers pacing the picket line since the beginning of May. Many say they're facing financial distress. People are losing houses. People are losing their car. People are needing to go to food banks. In a letter to its members, the Writers Guild writing in part, our focus is getting a fair deal for writers as soon as possible. A source familiar with negotiations telling NBC News talks are expected to last several days, and the AMPTP is not expected to have revised its previous offer made in August, which is the last time the two sides met, a meeting that was not productive. The impact of the combined WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes is being felt across the country. The most recent U.S. jobs report showed a monthly decrease of 17,000 jobs in the motion picture and sound recording industries. I don't know how I'm going to pay these last two months' rent. And Hollywood's shutdown is now hurting other sectors like hospitality, trucking, and dry cleaning businesses, costing the state's economy more than $5 billion. California's Governor Gavin Newsom hasn't been on the picket lines, but he says he's paying close attention. His office telling NBC News while not involved in the talks, Newsom has been engaged in conversations with both sides. He's encouraged they are talking and is hopeful for a resolution. With fall TV schedules feeling the fallout, mostly filled with unscripted programming, all eyes will be on these meetings, including the people behind talk shows that were scheduled to resume in the coming weeks. Bill Maher now pausing the return of his show, a reverse course from his announcement days ago that his show would come back, unfortunately, sans writers or writing. Now both sides are hoping there could soon be an ending to this Hollywood drama. So the writers coming to the table, the actors are on strike as well. Are they part of this whole negotiation? So not as of right now. So we know that the studios are getting together with the heads of the Writers Guild that represents over 11,000 writers. And really, the writers have been leading the way Mm -hmm. on this. And they are going to be hammering it out over AI, residuals. And really, it comes down to transparency. Mm -hmm. These guilds want to know how many people are watching these shows, and they want to be paid appropriately Mm -hmm. to that. Um, but, you know, we've heard Bob Iger say previously, there's not as much money in streaming as you might think. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we are all eyes are on this yeah. today. But fingers crossed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. All right. Thank you, Chloe. Thank, so. you. Thank you. It is time for another check of the weather. Dylan's in for Al this morning. Hey, Dean. Good morning, guys. I know it's only Wednesday, but I want to just focus on a storm system that could impact the weekend. So as we go into tomorrow, we have this area of low pressure off the Florida coastline. This is going to interact with some of the warm water out in the Atlantic, and it's possible this could 
transition into a subtropical system. That means a lot of heavy rain and we could see some gusty winds too. Across the Carolinas, especially along the coastline, up across Cape Hatteras, that's later in the day on Friday. Then this is going to move up the East Coast as we go into Saturday. So it's looking like we're going to see a lot of rain through uh, eastern Maryland, across Delaware, up across New Jersey, into New England. Then it will move up into the Massachusetts area by the time we get into Saturday afternoon and Saturday night. So we are looking, because of just the torrential downpour, potential. We could see about four to six inches of rain, especially down near Virginia Beach, especially across Cape Hatteras, down into Wilmington, too, where we could see some of our highest rain totals. And that's your latest forecast. Dylan. Dylan. Thank you. Coming up next, the moment Ryan Seacrest learned Vanna White will be joining him when he takes over as the host of Wheel of Fortune. It happened during his sit down with Willie Geist. Yeah, Willie's going to actually be here and share that moment all coming up right after this. We're back. Carson's here, and so is Sweet Willie Geist. Oh, love it. How you doing, Willie? This is a good crew. And, and Willie, you caught up with our friend Ryan Seacrest for your latest Sunday sit-down. Yeah. You're breaking news all over the place. Well, just yesterday. So Ryan is our Sunday sit-down this weekend. We were talking about the amazing Seacrest Studios that he opens at Children's Hospitals, a new one opening in New York yesterday. We're doing the interview talking about Wheel of Fortune eventually. And I said, Ryan. Are we bringing Vanna back or what? You have to bring Vanna back. And he was very diplomatic, as I certainly hope so. Interview ends. Knock on the glass in the radio studio. We're doing the interview. And a publicist says, they just announced Vanna's coming back. So Ryan and I went back in and sat down. So Ryan, even as we've been sitting here, got a little knock on the window here. News that Vanna White will be back on your version of Wheel of Fortune. This is such great news. Vanna has been such a staple on that show and in our living rooms for so many years. I have been very excited to work with her, but now that it's official, I can say, congratulations, Vanna. I can't wait. How important do you think it is to have her on on this show? It's super important to have Vanna White on Wheel of Fortune. She's beloved by this country and by the viewers. And I, I can't even imagine standing next to her on that set, being able to say, okay, let's get to it. It's great news. I'm very, very happy to hear it and very happy I'll get to work with her. And also probably nice for the new guy to have somebody who's been there a well, while. Yeah, who, who I can say, how does this work? <laughs> exactly. where, where do we go now? What's next? Okay, got it. And just a little look to her probably centers you a little bit, yeah, right? Well, she, she, she can definitely, Anna, please tell me what to do. <laughs> This had to happen, of right, course, guys? Of Vanna White has to be on. She the is Wheel of Fortune. It's kind of Vanna's show that Ryan's on. That, you know, by the way, he's the first bit. to say that. I yeah, think he corrected yeah. me yeah. when was I said that. Was she ever in the running to host? Yeah. What's that? Was she ever even in the running to host? I don't know about yeah. hosting the show, yeah. but she had to come back. Yeah. And he yeah, said sure. that even in the first version of our interview. Yeah. He's like, it's my hope, my expectation. Yeah. She's yeah. got to be so there. Yeah. So he also said, don't expect major sweeping changes to Wheel of Fortune. I know I'm walking into a good deal here. I'm just sort of the caretaker of Wheel. That's don't right. touch yes. the show. Don't yes. touch. Exactly. Yeah. All right. If it's working. You're going back across the street now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You're very busy across, and important. Right across 49th. You're yeah. right. There's it's only six more hours of morning shows. <laughs> <laughs> Almost literally true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, you can watch the full sit down with Ryan Seacrest this weekend on Sunday. Today, Willie works six days yes, a week. Yes, he does. Uh, Go. Guys, you remember Cabbage Patch Kids? Yes. Like all yeah. the rage. Well, Fascinating story coming up uh, behind them. They're coming to theaters everywhere. Hmm. Plus, we're going to get you ready for a season of The Voice. Kaylee Hartung sits down with our coaches. And the newest member, the great Reba McIntyre, will have that for you coming up. Bye, Willie. Bye, guys. 
This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.